Hey, what's up? It's Bon. This is just a quick intro to this uh, another special episode of the EchoCast where I interviewed N7, the legend, and uh, he's a big giant Mass Effect fan. Uh, so we went on for about an hour and a half talking about uh, Mass Effect, the trilogy, Andromeda, and the future game that's coming. Um, I had a ton of fun chatting with him. Uh, he was very pleasant and great to chat to uh, with about this. I can finally get out all of my ideas and stuff. So if you're interested in Mass Effect, I think this was a great talk. We have a lot of similar perspectives, a lot of different uh, takes on things. Um, I think it was a really productive uh, conversation, and I uh, am really happy with the podcast. So uh, go ahead and check it out, and uh, I'll chat after it's over. Well, welcome to my little podcast. Uh, uh, I want—I'll uh, introduce you as N Seven, the Legend. Um, you uh, stream on Twitch. I've caught some of your streams, and they're—they're they're really great. Um, and you have the Mass Effect Lorecast that you are a co-host for. Um, kind of tell me about the stuff that you do, and kind of um, you know who you are. Sure. Uh, so, uh, first of all, I'm—I'm I'm a huge Mass Effect fan. In case that wasn't evident. Uh, and I kind of found my way into podcasting and content creation in the pandemic. So I'm a huge Mass Effect fan. I found this guy who did all of these other uh, video game lore casts. His name's Tom, aka Robots from he's the Robots Radio. Prolific. <laughs> that guy oh, yeah. does everything. Oh yeah, he's 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 everywhere. If you listen to a video game podcast, you you may have heard one of his. And so I, I became a huge fan of his uh, Elder Scrolls lore cast. I'm a big Elder Scrolls fan. And eventually I, be, I became a patron of it because I loved his content. I loved what he was doing. And I thought, you know, he should, he should be making a lot more money for this. And so then I appeared on one of his uh, shows as like a patron. And they have the patron chats at the end of the month. And eventually he and I got to talking and I was like, hey, man, you don't have a Mass Effect show. And I'm, I want to do one. And he's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I might go into that with you. Just give me some time to think about it. And this is around, let's see, this was around March, early, early March, late February 2021. Oh, so wow. So right before Legendary Edition came out. Sure. And um, Good timing. <laughs> it was perfect timing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he came back to me and he was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And so we jumped headfirst into it. I had no idea how to write for a podcast, but we made the agreement that I was going to handle all the creative stuff. I was going to handle all the research, all of the notes and whatnot for our, and he'll for show our up. Shows. <laughs> and then, and then he was going to do all the production and then people okay. showed up. Yeah. Like, like you said, people showed up, um, mm -hmm. out of nowhere, you know, and we started and I just kind of winged it. I, I have a background in journalism. Okay. So I think that helped a little bit in researching and compiling the media notes but we started like that, and we were just doing one episode a week. And then eventually a lot of a lot of people who were listening to the Lorecast were like, hey, I want to watch you play Mass Effect. I want to I be able to engage with you and ask you questions about these things. So I started streaming. And you have to understand that at that point, all I had to stream was an Xbox One. And, oh, wow. And I was doing the podcast off of a 12-year-old MacBook Pro. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> with like with like the cheapest mic I could get online. Sure. And 
so I was making I was making it work, but barely. And then eventually the, the podcast within a few months just kind of exploded when Legendary Edition came out. And we found ourselves in the top 50 and in the top 25 video game podcasts in the country. Wow. And I was baffled by it because I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm just a huge Mass Effect nerd. I'm kind of surprised that other people like hearing me nerd out about this stuff. Sure. And uh, and then, you know, fast forward, I became an affiliate with Twitch. And, and now I'm I think Twitch told me I'm one of the top 25 Mass Effect streamers, nice. um, and which is surprising to me. Uh, but more again, people stream it than you think. Like it's. It, it's not the biggest directory on earth, obviously, but it's not small either, especially all things considered. Oh, yeah. It's one of those narrative heavy games that people people love to watch other people play because they love their playthrough. They want to see mm -hmm. that joy from someone's first playthrough. Or and they so want to tell you why you're wrong in yours. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yes, I've already dealt with that. Oh, why? well, you're wrong for thinking that Genophage was wrong and, and a lot of other. I think I got into a, a brief argument about that in my last stream. Sure. Uh, but yeah, people are passionate about it. And now here I am. And thanks to the patrons of the podcast and the people who watch my stream, I was able to buy a gaming PC. And it's my first one ever. Um, and so I stream from that now, did the podcast on that now. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So obviously people from my podcast and stuff who are going to listen to this um, probably mostly know my history. But I started... Uh, basically getting into like build guides for the division one when it came out in like 2017. Uh, and then I got really annoyed by people being really toxic in that community. So I decided to start streaming and doing that stuff because I wanted to be a more positive, you know, person in that community. And then I started a podcast, um, that was originally a division podcast and, uh, you know, then Division Two came out, and then you know it kind of came and went, and then it turned into this generic podcast, and um, and now it's you know almost two hundred episodes in, and uh, I basically find a reason to talk about the Division and Mass Effect every week it, because it's just the way it is. Um, but I, uh, you know, try to cover gaming in general. Um, but yeah, I always find something to talk about with those two games at this point. So uh, I still I still try to kind of satisfy the OGs, you know, um, but my first uh, streaming setup was just. So I'm pretty sure I let's see, I can't remember how it was. I had my phone in the dock so I could read chat. I had. I was capturing the Xbox, uh, you know, the Xbox app on the PC. Oh, yeah. Uh, where you can stream it. Yeah. So I was using that as a capture card. I would have that window up and I would have OBS capture that window. And then I would have all the display. It was just it was wild. Like it was <laughs> such a hilarious like if one thing went wrong, the whole thing didn't work. It was so it was just like held together by by tape. And then over the years, obviously, I have this nice computer over here now and this you know, okay camera and this a lighting setup. Like it's just it's dumb. Like I I always my, whenever my wife walks into this third bedroom, it's always it's always like there's a bed and there's a dresser and it's like storage over here and then my game throne. Um, so it's cool. It's fun though. You know, that's that's kind of the um, I guess that's the fun part of all of this is we're all just dudes sitting in our houses talking about games. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. um, 
So when it comes to Mass Effect, so you're a giant Mass Effect fan, that's you know kind of what got you into all this stuff. What did your journey, how did your journey with Mass Effect start? Um, I'm assuming you're like an OG fan more so than uh, myself. Uh, is our, I'm new with the Legendary Edition, and I have some kind of fun quips about that, but I'll wait. Um, so where, where did you start? Did you start with the first game, and kind of how did that go? So it all started back in 2007. So you were right. I'm an OG Mass Effect fan. And um, and I'm not that old uh, either. For for the listeners, <clears throat> I was only 14 when Mass Effect uh, 1 came out. That makes me feel very old. <laughs> I was in college. so. <laughs> but in a way, I think, you know, 14 is the perfect age to start a new series, you know. Uh, and so I was very receptive to it. And a lot of the a lot of the sci fi nuances were still new to me. So they weren't cliche at all. Uh, but I started in 2007 because and I was I had a, my room was in my mom's basement. So I was the stereotypical basement troll gamer. Um, and so my brother comes home, my older brother, uh, one day and he just slides this game across my table in my basement dwelling. Uh, and says, hey, uh, you know, I picked this up at GameStop. I thought you might like it. I, I don't really know what it's about. Didn't really give much mind to it. And it was Mass Effect 1. And, you know, by that point, I don't think Mass Effect 1, it had just come out recently. It, it didn't really gain, it didn't raise too many eyebrows besides Fox News saying, oh, you can bang me. Yeah, 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 all the sex. Right. And I, I don't. <laughs> no mention of all the violence and the murder and the, the, the gratuitous violence. But yeah. there's, a, there's a side boob and it is, it is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No mention of the intrigue, the betrayal, the seriously haunted theme. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, and so my, I don't think my brother knew a, a damn thing about the game, but he, he slid it across the table to me. And that night, I stayed up all night just exploring the side planets and doing the side missions. And I was getting so lost in this game because as a kid, I just wanted to be an astronaut. Like as you know, I looked at the stars with Marvel and I thought, what is out there? Um, and then this game kind of helped me live out that astronaut fantasy of being able to like go to different, you know, places in the galaxy and see these wonderful nebulas and, and, you know, star systems and, and clouds of, of you know, uh, astral dust. And it was just incredible. Um, and so I got lost in it right away and like addicted to it. Like I, I read the codex entries, you know, from like at 14, like you can't get a 14 year old to sit still, but I was to read anything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like parsing the codex entries, just reading all of them. I couldn't get enough of it. You and, didn't read, you didn't do your Huckleberry Finn book report, but you knew every little bit of the Asari diplomatic, like, you know, like levels of power. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I knew absolutely nothing about Nathaniel Hawthorne. But if you asked <laughs> me about the Treaty of Ricks, and I could tell you like all the ins and outs. Sure. And so, yeah, so I became addicted to it uh, really quickly. And I guess I got to thank uh, my older brother for uh, uh, an action. Accidentally. Thought too much of. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what was interesting for me was that so in 2007, I was uh either i would have either been a freshman or sophomore in college um and i would have recently began my job at gamestop uh so the the funny or maybe sad part of it is is i'm fairly certain that through my four years in college and working at gamestop i at least worked the midnight releases for 
Mass Effect 1 and 2. I think I was still working on like on call when 3 came out. And I'm fairly certain I worked the release for that as well. Never even thought twice about playing the games. Never even considered it. Didn't care. Was like, whatever, nerd, space. I've got to play my Call of Duty. And I have got to play my Madden. I was that bro. I was like that bro broy gamer but I, like i worked i could have rented it for free i could have taken the disc home <laughs> played all i wanted brought it back took the second well like it was just like the hindsight of it is so funny to me so uh, all i remember is i remember it being talked about obviously back in the day um and i remember like six years ago just randomly getting on this youtube algorithm wormhole of watching a bunch of the cinematics from the game and being like, Oh, this is interesting, but this looks old as hell. Like this does, this looks rough and I am not playing that. And so I have a buddy at work who it's only he and I, or uh, I work in a, an industry that's uh, has very few men in it. And so I have this one other guy on my team and we always talk about games and he had been telling me for years for, cause we've worked together for 10 years now. And he had been telling me for years, like, Hey, you need, to play this game it's very very good um and i'm like and eh, there's space powers and i'm not a big like i'm not like a big like medieval like magic kind of guy yeah, uh i i like more yeah yep yeah, yeah high fantasy is not my thing i'm more of a sci-fi uh, he's like dude it's that it's that so then finally uh the legendary edition gets announced i'm like okay i'll play it i guess and then it's i've i'm on my ninth playthrough so it's amazing where the time goes right yeah yeah and uh so, so that's where i've gone so um and we'll get more into some of that i guess so but i do i feel like this is a it's a really important question that it, it seems like in the mass effect community is so important for people to know which one's your favorite oh this is a hot take all right uh and i know that there's going to be some kickback after this episode goes it's okay Someone's listening to it and says, oh, what the hell? And throws a shoe at the radio. It's Andromeda. <laughs> it's not Andromeda. Um, I will say it's not Andromeda, but it is Mass Effect 1. So okay. Mass Effect 1 is my favorite because I think, you know, you you having played through Legendary Edition a lot now, did you notice like a distinctive storytelling difference from 1 to 2? Yeah. And... Um... And I'll I'll let you finish. One thing that that I'll point out now because I'll forget if I don't talk about it. One thing that's interesting for me as a player that's played all these years later is most game series, whether they're trilogies or sequels or whatever, span platform generations. Um, and what I find so compelling about Mass Effect is that the first game is the most expansive and the least detailed. And then two gets more detailed, but a little less expansive. And then three is not very expansive at all, but extremely detailed. And that's all because it was on one platform. And so that doesn't really come to the story necessarily. But one thing that I did always find interesting about this game was that, um, but that there is a distinct, like the first game feels like this wide open space that anything could happen. Anything could be out there. And then two feels a lot more focused. And then three feels really focused, which yeah. Makes urgency. sense. It makes the sense. Is sure. So, and but it is different. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, you you articulated it perfectly. It's like this first is the first game is this wide open, you know, starry eyed and bushy tailed universe, 
where you're not sure what's going to happen. You have no idea what's around the corner. You really feel like you can go anywhere, do anything. And from a gameplay perspective, I loved it for that reason. Um, and from a storytelling perspective, I feel like it also mirrored that. There was just around every corner, there was a new codex entry. There was a new dynamic or a new race that you just didn't know about. And uh, I feel like they stopped expanding narrative-wise in the games like that. And maybe that was a necessity because in the first of installation of a trilogy, you always have to have more exposition. Um, but I really enjoyed that. And then, like you said, in, in two and three, the universe felt smaller. And that's by design. I know that. Um, but it also just, it helps it, like, the whole expansiveness getting smaller with each iteration it only serves to facilitate more playthroughs because when you finish three and you go back to one you're like oh, i think I can, I can breathe there's no sure. urgency there's no dire the pressure there. is very different yeah and, and so because it's, it's there in three like you feel even if it's your ninth playthrough you yeah. still it's just like oh and the other thing is mass effect one is is far more like high sci-fi whereas mass effect 2 i feel like they hired michael bay to, to direct that uh and then mass effect 3 is this space rock opera you know sure. um but and maybe like if you were to say there was a director of mass effect 3 if it were a movie maybe it'd be christopher nolan okay um, sure mm -hmm. uh but but one i really liked it because it was this high sci-fi like this is a game by nerds for nerds, you know, and there, and it didn't try to normalize or dumb down much. Sure. And I like that for the same reason that I like Morrowind. If you ever played Morrowind, it's, it's really out there. You know what I sure. mean? It's totally alien and it, and it's hard. <laughs> like you have to, you really have to get to love that game. Um, but once you do, it's like, you, you don't want to get ripped away from it. Um, so yeah, I like Mass Effect 1 the best. Although I will concede that like Mass Effect Andromeda's combat and the gameplay objectively a lot smoother, you know, glitches aside, sure. uh combat was a lot more fun. Yeah, that's always an interesting. So so my favorite one, so so many people say 2. And 2 is the one I dread playing the most. And that might be even more controversial. But like I hate playing that game. I like the game. It's incredible. It's very good. The characters Mm, top notch like the story is fine i don't love the collectors i get what they were doing but like it's fine they're fine um i i i think the the um uh of course i'm gonna forget the cerberus kind of you know getting them to be the boogeyman uh was cool was fine in that right um, especially being part of them essentially um but i hate i see so many people say too and i get it like because of the issues with three and because of the age how aged one feels like i understand why people say two but mine is probably three because i'm a big dumb dumb that just likes the thing to be thrown right in my face and uh, all the emotion and the big yeah, moments the and it just amazing so good and um so mine would probably be three but i it's so funny i i always find myself um i play one and then i play two and i feel like i'm kind of slogging through it I'm, I'm only doing the loyalty missions i need to with my little chart of who i need to be able to you know do their thing um you know i do what i got to do and then i get through it 
and then three happens and and i and i really enjoy it um i even enjoy the ending and and that's my biggest thing as a new player um, I didn't experience the original endings. I didn't experience the last 10 years of even the uh, revamped endings of all the controversy and arguing and, and all that. I just played it and I was like, oh, yeah, this one ending makes sense, which we'll talk about. Uh, I have some other questions that get into that. But um, for me, it's just the funny thing is, though, every time I finish three, my first thought is like, ah, I guess I'll start a new playthrough. Like one sure is like old, but then I start to play it. And it's like the combat is it's fun. And there's yeah. something about it. There's something about getting the, the explosive rounds and getting the armor and, and, and kind of how basic and kind of janky the skills and uh, the powers are and stuff. There's just something it's like it's charming. Yes. Like it's it, and with the updates with the legendary edition, I, I will fully admit I've never played the original one. It sounds like they improved a lot of stuff gameplay wise. Oh, yeah. So like I, I never experienced that. But there's something charming about the first one, let alone the story and, and how epic it feels. And because it is like you said, it's very open. It's very uh, kind of almost whimsical. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's just very like awe inspiring. Yes. But then it wraps up really well, like that final fight on the Citadel where you see, you know, the Reaper in the background. He's doing like that's so cool. Like, it's right. just so it's so epic, especially if you consider the time the game was made. I and so, it, like, it didn't it didn't try to punch above its weight class. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It didn't it didn't yep. leave you on a cliffhanger ending either. It was a very self-contained story that sure. was satisfying. It could have like, ended right there. Sure. Right. And it was yeah. just satisfying uh, mm -hmm. when it ended. And and you were like, okay, I, I'm satisfied. But be before you, you go on to an point, I wanted to touch on the Mass Effect 2. 110% <laughs> agree with you there. I, it is a hot take that I've gotten a lot of flack for. Mass Effect 2 is not as good as people say it is. And a lot of people got brought onto the series when Mass Effect 2 came. So sure. that was the first one that they played. And so you can't um, blame them. Sure. But honestly, my friends and I were just talking about this the other day. Like one of my oldest friends played Mass Effect 1 when it came out as well. Um, and we were like, you know what? Cerber the whole Cerberus and Collector thing, it felt like just a departure from the the main story. It felt like, sure. like a like a weird long expansion. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was like, you know, the yeah, like the Reapers are important, but guess what? We're gonna focus on their like turd looking minions for a while <laughs> god those fights uh i just i hate the funny thing is for me is i like most of mass effect 2 besides anything to do with the collectors like i i hate their missions i hate you know the final fight it's just so but like so here's here's i guess where you can get out with my take on two my favorite parts of two are dlcs no, you're right. I, I love the Shadow Broker DLC. It's so fun. And then Arrival. I think Arrival, even though it's not really that interesting from a gameplay perspective, um, you know, there it's not like it's it's whatever. But there's just something it sets up three so well. Oh, perfect. And like, and even though you even though the choices you make don't matter. And even though like it doesn't matter, it just it's so cool the way it really sets it gives you that foreboding like that, like, oh, man, here they come kind of feeling before three even does. And I just I always love wrapping up my Mass Effect 2 playthroughs with that uh, with that DLC because it just feels right. Like it just like like, oh, this seems like this is messed up, man. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, yeah, 
that's definitely narrative wise i feel like where we're supposed to play it because mm -hmm. it leads perfectly into three whereas mm -hmm. if you don't play it and you just start three it feels kind of like wait what's going on like you know it's, it's getting tossed in here uh, but so i've always played it doesn't if you don't play a rival don't they say that like an alliance team basically did what you do yeah so this past okay. this current playthrough i'm on i forgot to play a rival uh, okay. and it's killing me it's the only playthrough i've never played a rival and so i got that entry in the war assets thing in Mass okay. Three, and it, and it killed me but you know yeah. besides besides the dlc besides the collector missions how long is mass effect 2 I mean, like, it's 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 just a, a a really long. Let's gather a team. Fetch quest. It's yeah. it's a giant fetch quest in a way. Sure. In in a way, yeah. And like, and my friends and I were talking about that. It's like if you take away the recruitment, the team building aspect of that game, it is incredibly small, very yeah. short. Yeah. And and so much know. of the side content is so whatever, like the N seven missions and stuff are just like whatever man like i don't it? care <laughs> right there's no lore attached to them it, it sure. the lore feels like the, the the side plate that no one ordered on mm -hmm. those missions like the lore is the coleslaw <laughs> <laughs> sure sure and, yeah. and i just yeah i get what you're saying whereas the side missions in mass effect one they felt like they were just part of the world like they were fleshed out the story behind them made sense mm -hmm. the ones in two are like Hey, there are these bad guys on this planet. Oh, what are they called? Uh, oh, yeah, they're Blue Suns. <laughs> well, and it's so, it, and, and two is so rough because all of the side content feels so much like you need more XP to level up. And this is a mission that we can put your extra heavy ammo in. And like, it just seems like it's there just to upgrade Shep rather than actually add to what's happening. And especially because. Like it's it, uh, whenever I play one, I, I have this little printout I found on Reddit that like it's a list of all the missions and everything. And it obviously shows all the stuff you have to do. But then it also shows the side missions that do impact later in the game. And there's so many of those little red boxes. And then if you look at this, uh, there's another tracker for two. That's the same way. And it's I don't even use it because there's so few things that actually go forward and impact the, the you know the third game that yeah it's funny i i i understand why people like two so much it, it makes complete sense to me um i just never grabbed onto it like for me i would probably go this is probably gonna be controversial uh i like three the most one is right behind it two and then Andromeda are pretty close because I, I don't hate Andromeda. I, I, I don't like it, really, but I don't hate it either. And I don't think it's that much worse when it comes to actually like sitting down. Like when I sit down to play a playthrough of Andromeda, I think I've done two or three now. Um, I, I'm like, OK, I know what I'm getting into. But but because like you said about the gameplay and stuff of that game, it's actually kind of exciting. Um, whereas like, I just, I don't mind too. I think there's a bunch of cool stuff in two. Um, I I'm, I'm a big, uh, what God, what's the word tally mancer. I, so and I enjoy like, that's cool that she kind of becomes a more, you know, involved character in that way. Um, so that's part of why I like too, but I, I don't know. It's weird. So I'm glad that while we may not have the same favorite, I'm glad we both hate 
Mass Effect 2. That's what you've agreed to. And and I will hear now. Nah, but it's it, it is it, it's a it's a fun conversation. And it's so funny how like even my buddy at work, after I played through all of them, the first question he had for me was, Well, which one's your favorite? Because he's a Mass Effect 2 guy through and through he loves mass effect too and so we've had and he he actually really likes andromeda i think he likes andromeda more than he likes three and maybe one uh, he that's which is a, cool like that's, that's fine controversial take. yeah hey he's he don't care he's 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 real into it so so when it comes to controversy um the the mass effect three endings um so i guess i'll kind of throw in my two cents on it in that i heard about i remember back in the day like i remember because I was in, like, I, I cared about games. I was involved in games. I was just playing other games. But I remember hearing the all, all the craziness, right? And part of me remembers being like, <laughs> nerds, what you care? But, like, all these years later, I play through it. And I think my take on it is, especially when I've gone back and watched those original endings and um, before the, the extended cut, I believe, right? Uh, like, whew. I mean, it was like basically just a color palette change. Like, I, I get it. Like, I understand. Um, it's just my thing with and, and I want to talk about the next game here in a little bit, but this will play into it. I don't think they could have ended the game in a way that would have made everyone happy. And so, like, when I think about it realistically, I think they did OK. I'm not going to say they did great. I'm not going to say it's the best ending. There's only one ending I like personally, but I've seen people love all of them and that's cool. Those freaks, but like, <laughs> but it's, it's, I, I'm curious as someone who I assume played three, when it came out, did you play yeah. before the extended cut the final? I did. Okay. Yep. So kind of like what, what do you remember of your initial feelings of it and how do you kind of feel about it now? Well, my initial feeling was pretty much like, that's it. You know, like, like that's it. It ended. I, I don't know how many years I've put into this, how many, how many hundreds of hours of gameplay and like huge chapter of my life just closed. What the hell? Um, and that's kind of how I felt about it because I, I, like many other players, became really attached to my shepherd. I made all these choices that I felt very deeply and very strongly about. And, and Shepard was this uh, avatar of myself in a way where I could be this spacefaring hero who never backed down from a challenge and always, you know, stood up for what he believed was right. And it was ended in the blink of an eye with seemingly no resolution, no denouement, um, nothing like that. And I remember thinking, well, what do I do now? But it was it was even more because I'm a Game of Thrones fan, right? And we feel that a little bit. Um, but but it was still like it, it, I was insulted a little bit because there's a difference. And I get what you're saying when you say that I don't think they could have ended it in a way to make everyone happy. But there's a difference between that and how they ended it originally. And sure. and. I totally get that. I don't know how they would have ended it because this is a game series that was built on tracking your choices from one game to the next. And that was like revolutionary at the time. And not just that, but things turned out differently for different choices. And so when you have the compounding effects of hundreds and hundreds of different choices that you've made over hundreds of hours of gameplay across three games, 
how many how many thousands of permutations is that by the end how do you really think that they're going to have time to write a unique ending for all thousands of those permutations now sure. that's that's on one end of the spectrum there's a difference between the thousands of permutations and three and three, <laughs> and three sure. endings. absolutely and, yeah and so when they came out the extended cut i played it again i just reloaded my save right before the ending and then i did. okay um and i felt like that was a lot better and i didn't understand why they didn't just do that from the beginning sure um, and i know for a lot of people at that point it was like too little too late it's too low sure sure um but i like it and now that i've played it i've replayed it so many times since then i accept the extended cut as canon and like sure sure i and now i barely even remember what the original one was like uh what's your ending of choice personally my ending of choice is drum roll please uh no it's it's a destroy ending sure because i felt like there's no way in hell that my shepherd has gone through all of this shit. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. You're fine. Um, all good. Gone through all of this, all of these things, and lost so many people that he cared about to this you know, Lovecraftian menace. Sure. Uh, and is just gonna let like you get to the end, and now all I'll of a become sudden, you. Right. <laughs> like right. Sure. no. Like, and, and you get to sure. the end and it's like, then the catalyst basically says, well, thanks. Now you can help me accomplish my goal. Mm-hmm. No, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to help you with your job. I'm, <laughs> I'm here to just end you. Uh, and I, and I rejected the analysis that the catalyst gives you that, oh, if you kill us, the cycle will continue. That's speculative. And they don't know that. And it's self-serving for them. Right. Of course. Like if you are a true AI, then I have to expect that you're lying to me right now. Sure. <laughs> out of self-preservation. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, would the AI consider what it was doing to beings to be more moral than giving them the their own volition and free will to decide uh, the future? Because it thinks uh, and, on the lines of logic, not morality. And if we're on the lines of logic, then clearly the catalyst is flawed because the catalyst couldn't have predicted the outcome where Shepard gets to the beam. Sure. So, and if the if the catalyst can't predict that outcome, which it admits to, then there is the possibility that it doesn't know it's for wrong. certain that it's wrong. <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. So, so yeah, no, it's I, circular logic. So it's and that's where I land too. Like for me now, my reasonings are very self serving. I think getting into this game so late and then getting so into it, um, I mean, I accept no ending other than destroy and shepherd takes that big breath i i just and i understand and and i'm and and i have questions that will dive more into that um but it's just for me that's the only good ending yeah for me i I, i've seen people argue for synthesis and control and, and or even like bad destroy or whatever but like for me it's just What's interesting that the take I've had, and I even made a whole video about it, was talking about how, you know, you have these type of games um, like uh, like like the Fallout games, uh, especially like Fallout 3 or New Vegas, where that is your character. You you are because it's, it's not a voice protagonist, um, you know, in the end is kind of the end in those games. Uh, I have made the argument 
that Shepherd isn't ours. Our experience of Shepherd is ours, obviously. But that that's Bioware's character. He had a history before us. He will probably have a, a future beyond us. Uh, maybe. Uh, at least a legacy beyond us, I guess, is, is in that world. And so I've always felt like... Um, and with games in general, I've made the argument a lot that um, a lot of gamers think that games are theirs uh, and, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that logic, but I guess like I'm a little bit older and I think of games as like an album that my favorite band is putting out and they are going to make stylistic changes and decisions in that album that make them happy. So like when I play a game, I don't really think about them making the game for me. I'm th I think about them making the best game that they wanted to make. And so like, I guess for me, it's like this whole thing of, you know, when it comes to these endings and all this stuff, like, I don't really believe that these, that the three endings were what they really wanted to do. Obviously the game got rushed out. It got delayed. It had, you know, so I'm sure if they gave, if they had another two years of development, we probably wouldn't have gotten those endings. Right. Like, I think that's a fair, um, no, like expectation. The, yeah, and that's what I was part of. Part of what I was touching on earlier when I said there was a distinct difference between one and two, sure. and that's when EA acquired Bioware. Yeah, and, yeah. and you could tell. You could really yeah. tell because it was no longer the days of the Knights of the Old Republic. It was sure. Uh, sure. EA. And um, and speaking about you know how Mass Effect Three ended, I don't know if I would have wanted too much more. I'm not too entitled about it, but like even if at the end, like even with us picking destroy but both you and i liking destroy mm -hmm. if they could have ended with like my shepherd didn't necessarily need to live but if they could have ended with the love interest like holding shepherd in their arms while like shepherd running up and finding them or yeah sure right a dramatic you know hollywood uh last breath shepherds like you, Wait, know, said you, something. you, you mean this isn't good enough for you Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> for audio Shaman. listeners, I held up uh, Shepard's name uh, to the wall. But yeah, hmm. no, that that wasn't that wasn't really, you know, good enough for me. And and besides, like there was the implication that the love interest was going back to look for them anyway. Um, yeah, because in the in the lives ending, yeah, they, they do the whole like, oh, I'm not going to put it up. And then they kind of look up and do the whole. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. And so, and and maybe maybe I'm alone in this, and I've been told by uh, listeners of my own podcast that I might be a bit of a masochist because I like meaningful tragedy in the mm -hmm. game. If everything's happy, it's boring to me. You know, sure. give me the meaningful tragedy. I don't know if you've ever seen the scene in Mass Effect Three where if you cannot convince the Corians to stand down, and they attack and they get wiped out, yeah, that takes a header. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's hefty tragedy i will yeah. never see that ending even though i will never see that scene even though i appreciate the gravity of it but it's well it's it's and, and not to get too philosophical but like it's it's like real life if everything is good then you don't know what good is right it's kind of that whole like if everything works out well you know if you only know happiness you don't actually know happiness because you have to be sad to know what happy is right and so i think in games that's like a kind of like a uh, like a very compact version of that feeling of like if a game only rewards you if it only makes you happy then you don't really there's no depth i guess to that 
uh where like in like in mass effect like in my playthrough so far i've never gone uh, my current playthrough i'm doing it where i'm gonna save morden uh you know rex took a header unfortunately even though he's like well my favorite um like because i want yeah i i wanted i want to finally see myself play through where i can get morden to live and and stuff like that um and this time i'm gonna let the Corians just a, a demolish the geth and it's and because i haven't done that because i've always been so like i want all the good stuff but this time i'm finally like putting my foot down being like i need this to not be perfect for once oh yeah if you want if you want to accentuate a playthrough like that go for the uh tragic romance one where you romance Ashley or Caden in one, and mm. then you don't complete the romance because you sacrifice them on Vermeer. Sure. That's a meaningful tragedy. Sure. Uh, sure. And yeah, but that's, so. you know, I, I would have, I would have ended just Mass Effect 3 with one extra. Just a little more. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Um, so moving from that, I'll, I'll ask very, probably fairly briefly, but that's fine. Like, what was your, Actually, no, I'll say, what is your current take on Andromeda? And go ahead. I was just going to say my current take on Andromeda is it's a good game. I, I think it's entertaining and it's, it's well done. It's definitely a triple A game. I don't enjoy it as much as the original trilogy. And I sympathize with a lot of people who, you know, they mean well when they say this, but they'll say it's not a mass effect game. And like, I have to correct some listeners of my own podcast and say, look, just because you may not like it doesn't mean it's any less canon. Sure. It is sure. an aspect game. And, uh, but I understand where they're coming from because it doesn't have the same caliber of writing. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't, it doesn't allow, I don't know. For me, when I've played through Andromeda and, even, you know, back then and even now, it feels empty, emotionless. Yeah expressionless um it feels like who are these people and why do i care about them (laughs) you know what i mean Uh, here's a controversial quick take i'll throw at you do you think that game would have been better if we played as alec it may have been (laughs) it may have been he was interesting and his kids aren't (laughs) no his kids his kids have the personality of a wet napkin um And and he was very compelling in my opinion Right. And I don't know how much of that is the voice actors uh, fault. Like, I don't know if any of it is actually, I really think that a lot of it is part of the writing because if you wanted to be a real, a real jerk, like a real renegade in mass effect one through three, you could, mm-hmm. you cannot really be a jerk that much. You can be kind of sassy. Yeah. You can be like, <laughs> Oh, like sarcastic, sassy, like mm-hmm. sassy, sarcastic, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's not even like a dry wit. It's like, it's like a 14 year old who thinks they're being funny. Yeah. It's edgy. It's like attempted edge. Yeah. Yeah. It's Andromeda for me is interesting because, um, obviously being, so I played through the the legendary came out. I played through it the first time I played through my first time without any guides, no help. It was a massacre. It was awful. (laughs) But it's the way I always tell people I've had multiple friends since that game came out been like, hey, I never played Mass Effect and I know you really like it. Should I play it? I always say yes. And I always say, don't use any guides your first playthrough. It's going to be a shit show. It's going to be a mess. You're probably going to be unhappy when it ends. But that's the way to play it the first time. And then I think you should go back and do your more ideal playthroughs. But um, 
it's just and andromeda to me is, is so interesting because i played through the first time it was a shit show so i played through one more time uh, the trilogy so i could get my like good playthrough right and then i'm like i'm gonna check out andromeda i don't want to play the trilogy again for the third time in like a month i need to spread this out a little bit so i'll check out andromeda and my first playthrough of andromeda i didn't romance anyone i did no loyalty missions i just played through the story i buzzed right through it and i thought it sucked I was not happy with it. I thought it was very mediocre. The combat that you mentioned, I always think it's interesting to point out to people. So I'm a big Division fan. Uh, and that game, with its ups and downs, has wildly good. Like, if we could get a Mass Effect that has, like, the Division's cover system and gunplay and the way that they use skills in that game, oh, my God. Like, oh, it'd be so good. And Andromeda, I think people sometimes when they say oh it's combat is so good they're just talking about the jump jets and the skills uh, or the the uh the powers because those feel great those feel so good and they look so good and yeah and the dodging and stuff like that and because the cover system sucks in that game is terrible and and the gunplay is abysmal is bad but the powers feel so good to use um that those jump jets and the dodging are so fun um so like yeah so like andromeda to me is so interesting because it's like what i hate about it is when i fairly recently was reading about how after three their intention was to make a prequel of the first contact war very shortly there was this idea and like i want that so bad i think that'd be so cool but then what's so interesting about andromeda to me is that it's such an obvious sign that they are terrified to take that series forward because oh and we can talk about it's the next thing i have coming up so it but like so they're like okay we don't know what to do with the trilogy because we're gonna one day make another game that takes place after that and there's three endings and people love their endings and all their choices. And that's going to be hard as hell to do. Let's so what if, so what if we went to a different galaxy yeah. <laughs> 600 years later and we just completely. And so like, I 100% understand why they did that. Like it, it from a, just not wanting to hate their lives standpoint. I get it. Now the team currently is, you know, going to be talking we'll, we'll get to there but like andromeda to me is so funny because yeah I, I see people a lot say it's a good game but it's just not a good mass effect game i'm like that just means it's not a very good mass effect game like it's 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 you know it's fine like if it was called something else maybe it, you know people would have received it better but i mean it's still a mass effect, and there's there is still a bunch of really cool stuff like i always tell people you should at least play it once and i always tell people do all the loyalty missions because some of those are fun that some of them are great and at least do one romance because the romances i actually kind of like them i think that they're cute uh, you know maybe they aren't as deeper like i have no tally in that game i have no i have no individual in that game i romance cora uh, like that was <laughs> and she's fine um but uh i really i that i've only done one romance in that and it was her and i regret it because i think vetra is actually the uh, a more interesting character there but um i don't hate andromeda the way a lot of people do i just hope that moving forward andromeda is a cautionary tale rather than inspiration um there's things and the thing i say about andromeda a lot is that what you saw from andromeda 
was really weird because they both were trying to move the series into the next generation because it was the first one that wasn't on the PS3 360 or wait, wait. Yeah, PS3 360 era. And so they they did a bunch of stuff where they were trying to make it a more modern game, right? Um, and at the same time, they were basically trying to remake Mass Effect 1 in a lot of ways, which was great. Like, uh, there's a lot of that stuff that I think is really cool. It's just not executed. It, it didn't it, it didn't get the time. It apparently didn't have the, the, the people and the resources. Like, there's, you know, all these breakdowns of what happened. Um, but yeah, I don't hate Andromeda. I just hope that it was more of a lesson than anything as we kind of move forward. I, yeah. And I, I feel the same way. The other thing about Andromeda though, that I didn't like from a gameplay perspective was that, and it, it and it wasn't Andromeda is definitely not the only game that's guilty of this. It's been a game game industry trend now for I feel like 10 years, uh, getting away in, in, in specifically in terms of role-playing games, getting away from building your character and then having to stick with your build. But now, sure. now it's all about fluid. You can, you can be and do anything you want on the, on the switch of a dime. No, come on. Like make someone make a new character for that. Sure. You know, that's where the replayability value comes in. Um, and, and that's so interesting. Cause I've seen so many people say like, I hope in the next game we can change our classes and stuff on the fly again. And I get it because it is fun. It, 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 it's, it, it's, I understand why someone who is just in there to, to just, but like, like my whole thing is like, I hope they do have jump jets in the next game, but I hope only certain classes have them. Yeah. I, I don't want everyone to have them um, because there's, now there are some like hilarious moments in Andromeda where like people are jump jetting around like into walls and shit, like, because it was just like kind of a messy game, but like, yeah, I, I completely agree. I because I, when my in my two playthroughs, I haven't switched at all. I, I've picked one path and I go down it um, because, yeah, I agree. I, I think that it, it kind of takes some like soul away from it. Yeah, it cheapens the experience. I think. Sure. Um, because do you really value the class that you chose at all? If you're just going to change classes on a moment's notice and it's sure. like, I, I don't know. That that was that was the other thing, and in that 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 trend, that fluidity of who you were as that person that you're role playing, part of the value, in my opinion, from role playing games, is making the role. And if you're making the role on the fly, then you don't really have a strong identity that you're grounded by. That sure. you're, you know, like if imagine an actor is acting in a play. And the direct the direction that that they get from the director is basically eh, do whatever, go for it. <laughs> just, sure. just do what do whatever you think fits the situation. Okay, well, am I guided by any narrative? Or Not anything? even show by show, but like scene by scene. Right. Sure. And that I don't know. I, I guess as a stickler for the story, that that doesn't seem too compelling to me. Yeah, and that's so, fair. So that's that's another reason why, you know, ultimately I, I'm OK with Andromeda now and I'll play it certainly for the stream. There's a lot of people that want to watch it, mm -hmm. um, but it's just it's it's certainly not my favorite Mass Effect. And it's it's not it's not one of my preferred RPGs. Sure. That's fair. So Andromeda comes out. I remember, so this was obviously before I played any of the games. And I remember my buddy at work was so excited 
and he's said he was such an Andromeda stan. He was that guy when it came out. He's oh, it's not that buggy. It's not as bad as people say it is. It's actually pretty fun. I actually like the story. And then in, in more recent months and years, I've been like, he's like, I was just kind of telling myself. He's like, I was I was convincing myself it wasn't as bad. He's like, he, he still likes it, but he's calmed down a little bit. But like, um, so we had that. And I guess the last thing I will say is I will admit I do think it's a shame that they didn't at least flesh that game out in the in the post launch. Um, it is a bummer, and especially in hindsight, that they drop support for that too. Drum roll, work on Anthem. Oh, <laughs> like, <sighs> like as much as I will kind of dog on Andromeda, and especially like hyper Andromeda stands, I'm always happy to poke a little fun at them um, because I think it's a bit much. It is, I think, Bioware as a whole would have been better off making a couple Andromeda DLCs than making Anthem. <laughs> like, oh, um, I, I find it hard to believe anyone who's being reasonable would disagree with that. You know, like Anthem really hurt Bioware and EA and, um, and yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. So what's funny about Anthem is I actually think it's actually been long enough. I don't think I have an NDA with them anymore. I played like an early alpha build of that game. And I remember from the first time I touched that game being like, oh, no, this is not good. Like this game has no idea what it wants to be. It is so lost. It's trying to be everything. And it's not doesn't feel like I didn't even know Bioware games at the time. But like I could tell like this isn't what they make. I don't think like I'm pretty sure this isn't them. And uh, and yeah, that was an interesting. So, so yeah, rip Andromeda, I guess. But um, so so we had that those things happen. And then in 2020, the Game Awards come on. And I think this is when they announced the Legendary Edition because um, I was watching it and I was like, hey, my buddy wants me to play. I've heard this was coming. I'm going to buy that. And then that trailer ends and then another trailer starts. So you have to appreciate for me. We start flying, we see Andromeda and we dive away from it. This is the thing I point out to people a hundred times. We're diving away from it. I'm just throwing it out there. Don't fight me. But this is me pre Mass Effect. I have no idea what's going on. We see a, a relay and then there's this blue lady walking up a thing. And so at the time, I'm like, I have no idea what any of this means. But people were excited about it. What, what was your thoughts when you first saw that trailer for the next game? Uh, sheer excitement um those are my my feelings when when i saw that i think i saw that around christmas if i remember right and i remember i think the game awards are like on the 21st or something so it would have been yeah i was at my girlfriend's family's place for christmas and i was like hold on hold on sorry i gotta i gotta watch the video (laughs) um and i i was glued to my phone and then i was like basically telling anyone that would listen uh about it and so i was really psyched uh because that then, was that was pre-podcast right that was before you were doing the podcast yeah yeah, yeah. i suppose it was yeah. um or no 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 actually we had started the podcast oh okay okay so the we had uh we had we had started the podcast i believe yeah that would have been december uh no it was december no. 2020 yeah no, it would have been a few months that before, before mm-hmm. that was before the podcast so um so yeah, I was like psyched about it, but then like I analyzed it and analyzed it and analyzed it. And um, in fact, the first episode of the Mass Effect Lorecast is a complete like breakdown where we go sure, over it. Of course. Yeah. Um, 
And, and the and lingering question after that is, is Shepard alive? And so in that analysis, we tried to pinpoint exactly, given what we've seen in this trailer, when could the game be set? Sure. And this is, so I think there's two possibilities. One, the game is set after Shepard's death. I think that's pretty evident. Now, as for how long afterward, sure. we're not sure because, of course, it's Liara and Asari can live up to a thousand years. Who could live, sure. And putting it 800 years or, no, I'm sorry, putting it like 600 years after Shepard's death would be a convenient way to sidestep all of the continuity errors. Um, Which I have some strong feelings about that I will hold on. <laughs> but, and and this is this is by far the least popular speculation I've ever made. Uh, not least popular in that people think that it's faulty logic but that they're afraid of how accurate it could be sure we are well aware that liara is the one who recovered shepherd's body in the beginning of mass effect 2 when shepherd's mm -hmm. dead uh and it's from that icy planet called alcara mm -hmm. that's where shepherd and the normandy sr1 enter orbit and shepherd shepherd's body basically disintegrates uh, I think it's quite it's quite possible that the next Mass Effect does return to the Milky Way during the original trilogy, but Shepard has nothing to do with it because mm -hmm. it's the few years where Shepard is dead. It's like a prequel-ish. It's a interqual, yeah. Sure, sure, um, sure. And, and and so I and honestly, I'm going to be dead honest with people. I don't want that. I don't want yeah. that. But I think that's po that's quite possible because they have all of the framework there. You could have Liara working, at, you know, working with Farron to, you know, try to recover Shepard's body as part of this Cerberus plot. Sure. There's one plot line. You have another one with Garrus as Archangel and the betrayal that happens there. You could have another one with Tally. There's so many different mm. squad mates that are very familiar. Because they all kind of, sure. And, and they went off and did their own thing. So it could be like an anthology series almost. Uh, and I personally, again, I would hate that. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think it's possible. Sure. All their alternative is that, like I said, it happens after Shepard's death. I'm saying that because there's so many different things in the, in the trailer. Like you can see a dead Reaper body that's been confirmed by Mike Gamble to mm -hmm. be a dead Reaper. It's actually two, um, two dead Reapers. Yeah. That, uh, and people always point out the one in the background, but like, I'm always like, she's walking on one too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. She is. yeah. Um, and you also see the destroyed Mass Effect relay, which, of mm -hmm. course, happens after the end of Mass Effect 3. Mm -hmm. Those two things would seem to insinuate that that is immediately following Mass Effect 3. But why would Shepard's chest plate be, or or even... Uh, yeah, it's that like piece helmet. of the helmet, sure. Helmet piece. Um, why is it on this planet if he died on why, Earth? <laughs> right, right. Why is it there? Sure. Um, and so I think it could very well not be about Shepard at all. Uh, I sure. think it could. There's also another possibility. They showed and referenced so many things from all of the Mass Effect games that have come out to date, even Andromeda, mm -hmm. that what if the trailer was really just like a, hey, we're working on Mass we're Effect. coming back. Sure. Don't look too much into this. Like maybe the trailer wasn't trying to show us anything about what the next game will be about. It was just a recap of what they've done. Sure. Um, and th that's kind of where I've taken it. I've taken that trailer to be kind of 
and, and this mostly comes from my experience of being involved with the division devs and when they did some early trailers and stuff like that. Cause I've even asked um, the guy who is a, a, a big wig on division two, he's now on their star Wars game that they're making. Um, and I even asked him, I'm like, you know, how seriously should we take a trailer like this from 2020? It sounds like they're not even going to start production on this game until 2023 or maybe even 2024. He's like, there's almost no chance that when they made that trailer, they actually knew what the story was going to be yet. They probably had some very basic ideas. Right. And he's like, look at the individual frames as them messaging specific things to you rather than trying to take something from the whole trailer. Um, And now he's a big mass effect fan too. So we've talked about this and he's like, like, I guess my possibilities are like the one thing I hate the idea of a time jump to just hand wipe all the endings it drives me wild. Uh, it would make me so angry to just be like, lazy. it's been so well. And this is where my the funny thing is, is with all of Andromeda's issues, my biggest problem with Andromeda is that they're going to be forced to, to acknowledge it. I hate that. Not because there's anything wrong with the game. The game is fine, whatever. But it's the fact that since it exists, they have to acknowledge it in some capacity. Now, I have this really crazy idea of what, um, you know, my ideal situation, I guess, that, and that's what I'll ask you, is what your ideal, so we have all these possibilities. We have no idea. Um, my ideal situation, and this is complete fanboyism, complete bias, is that the next game takes place after Mass Effect 3, that it's a rebuilding story. It doesn't take place that long after 3. Maybe, you know, even 10, 15, 20 years or something. I don't know. Um, but that it's a, re- it's a rebuilding story in that, my God, I hope we don't have the Leviathans be the bad guys. I've seen people throw that out. I'm like, we don't need more, more cuttlefish. We don't. Like, we need... <laughs> so my wild theory, and it's supported basically nothing is that I think it would be really interesting if they set the game not very long after three, the Andromeda missions are just basically beginning. Their their ships are barely getting out of the Milky Way, right? But Gamble has at least insinuated that Andromeda isn't going to be ignored in this next game, right? So my thought is that the, the, the initiative which I think is what they're called, right? Like the people, I know it's the Andromeda initiative, but I guess I've always referred to them as the initiative. Um, Not all of them went like they would have had hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people potentially who had to build those ships and had to be involved in that mission. Well, not all of them could have gotten on the ships in, in my fan fiction, he had, and so what happened to the people who were left behind after the Reapers were killed off? Did they turtle up and hide and hope for the best? And so my thought would be, it'd be really interesting for me is if, if the, the next game has some kind of thing where everyone's recovering, the Citadel species are all trying to kind of get their crap back together. There's huge power vacuums. And uh, what if the initiative or what's left of it starts to try to help people? And there becomes this kind of weird conflict between the initiative and uh, the, the, the Citadel Council, 
because Citadel Council won't deal with that. They won't deal with someone else trying to you know grab power and stuff like that. Um, that's been my super wild theory. My honest thing is that I think that they were making it very clear that Liara is involved. You know, obviously, um, I think they were. And this is why I kind of mentioned before. I don't think they can make this next game take everything into account. I just don't think they can. I think that game would take 20 years to make. And I, I bet it's not going to be 20 years from now. And so I think they were trying to message a few things that Liara is going to be there. I think those dead Reapers signifies the destroy ending. Uh, and, and the thing I've said a few times is I really believe that picking an ending and going hard, you know, narrowing the story down so that they can expand it again is going to be so much more interesting obviously I'm biased if it's destroy then trying to incorporate all of the endings and like, and just this next game starts so unfocused and then try to expand that again when the game was already kind of too big. I think it's more insulting to everyone if they do like a time jump or something to ignore it, than it would be to pick one and go hard at it. Yes. Um, and, and that's kind of big, been my big thing. So, so Liara destroy ending, probably taking place after three. I mean, it seems like that's messaged. And my thing is, is that that helmet shard makes no sense. There's no logical reason for that thing to exist. Right. But I think they put themselves in a weird spot because the simple fact is, is that head, that fragment is shepherd. Like that fragment is shepherd. And if, and, and no matter what it means, and it will eventually find out right here in you know two or three years, but it, they have to, they had to have known by putting that two seconds in that clip and then her looking up and looking hopeful and looking, you know, there's a bunch of people, including me, I'm going to be totally honest, that are like, Shep better be there. He better be there. I don't think he will be. I, I, I'm, I'm not letting myself believe that. I think it'd be really cool. I think there's some cool possibilities there, but I don't know. I don't care. What I will say more than anything is that I don't care if they pick everything i don't care if they make the synthesis ending the canon and they kill the quarians and they make the geth the gods of the universe. i don't care what they do they can make every choice i hate but if they do it well i'll be fine with it like, like that's a big thing i've come to is that like i obviously have this ideal next game in my brain just like every other player does but they can make every choice i hate but if they do it really really good that's fine. <laughs> you know, we don't want another Andromeda. Yeah. And, and, and I agree. Um, now I have two kind of ideal next mass effect games in my head. If yeah, I'm sure. very self indulgent, go for then, it. That's what it's all about. Then I want Shepard back. I want it to be post mass effect three. Maybe they can write themselves out of having to canonize one of the blue, green, red endings. What if, I mean, like, what if it really was just an illusion? Like the indoctrination theory. Sure, sure. You know, that doesn't mean that they have to canonize every part of the indoctrination theory. But what if it really was, there are so many different ways that they could take it with writing that wouldn't decanonize anyone's ending. Sure. Um, but I want Shepard, you know, as a self, self-indulgent ending, I want Shepard to be back. I want Shepard to be the playable character. Yeah. I, I want them to do like master, like make Shepard master chief. Like, sure. and when I say that, I mean, make Shepard an icon of sci-fi gaming because sure. that's exactly what would happen. 
if they hadn't done Andromeda, if they had just come out with another Mass Effect game in 2017 and it was Shepard, I think we would have at least one other Mass Effect game since then. Almost guaranteed. Shepard again. And Shepard would become like, you know, uh, Paramount or Tantamount to uh, Master Chief level. Sure. And they could have done that. And I, I think a lot of people really would have liked that, but it would have been inherently different because Shepard has personality, whereas Master Chief doesn't really. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, a little bit, but not really. Cortana um, has personality. Master Chief exists to interact with her. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, you know, that would be my self-indulgent one. What I think I'd like more is it happens after Mass Effect 3. You when you start the game, you import your legendary edition playthrough file. But you you're not playing as Shepard again. But it just wanted to know your choices. Sure. And then it references those in seamless, lore-friendly, integrated ways with your new playable character, who's also an N7. Sure. New N7 grad. You reconstruct the profile. You, oh, you, you don't want you don't want to play as James. I, I've seen I, people say that. I don't th- look after the recent sh- uh, after the recent scandals that uh, Freddie Prince Jr. has been embroiled in. I don't yeah. know if we're ever going to see. Probably James. not. Yeah, uh, not with Bioware. Um, yeah. So, you know, I would love to play as a new in seven. You start just like Mass Effect one. You know, you pick your profile reconstructed and your background, sure. your psych profiles, and you just start your new Shepard with a new story. You know what I mean? But they can sprinkle all that stuff in. But they, they can, can just still, go nuts. Yes. Sure. And they can That's still fair. integrate all your previous decisions where you basically created this setting for your new protagonist to live. And inside. you can be this rookie that that the Alliance is sent off to work with Liara. And I mean, because they're obviously hinting to her being involved in stuff. And so that what that leads me to is to at least mention this last in seven day with mm-hmm. the poster, the last minute poster. I remember because this is after I've started playing these games. I'm I'm making videos on my YouTube. I'm streaming it. I'm finally into it. In seven day comes. I've heard about in seven day for years. And the last in seven day, we got a trailer that I've watched a hundred times. And then when that beat hits, when it looks at Liara's face and I get chills and I'm like, oh, this come, we're getting another one. Let's go. And the whole day comes. And I think they announced like a sale on the Bioware gear store. I think they, it was a bunch of like random stuff. And I remember being like, oh man, come on. <laughs> and then yeah. the tweet and then it comes and there's a poster. And then every single Mass Effect fan, especially creator starts magnifying everything. So I'm just going to throw out what I saw. Okay, go for it. Obviously, everyone's seen the Geth. I mean, I actually kind of love that because then again, that to me says again, probably destroy ending is being looked at pretty heavily if we're insinuating all these Geth are dead. But I don't hate the idea of maybe there's some more to that. And I I think that they're obviously insinuating the Geth will have something to do with the next game. And I think that's pretty obvious. What if the only Geth that were destroyed by that were the ones with Reaper code fragments? Sure, sure. Um, and 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 so and then we have that that ship. And something I noticed about that ship is I saw everyone being like, "That looks like an Andromeda ship." Like I don't really think it does, but what it does look like is it's the SR one's color scheme. It is. And and I think and I never even noticed like I didn't even notice that the first because I I just think of the SR two when I think of the Normandy. I don't know why because the SR one's awesome, but like. 
I didn't until just recently. I was like, oh, my God, that's the SR1. So that's like an old Alliance ship. What if this is post Mass Effect 3 and this is some old janky ship they had to pull out because everything else got freaking destroyed in the war. And then the last thing I noticed is and I I've I've looked at these six pixels for the last, you know, so many months. I swear that that one I've seen people say they think it's like a Solarian, like all the little figures walking that one. That's got to be Rex, man. It just why would they give us a red Krogan? I mean, it may, it may not be. I know there's lots of Krogans that have that red battle armor. It's fine. But then one of those little figures that sure looks like a red stripe on that helmet. That's all I'm saying. And now oh, you're, yeah. what you were saying is that that it, maybe it's a rookie in seven or something. Maybe it doesn't have to be Shep. Um, but but I. And then people got real funny with that poster and that there's like I saw people like changing the contrast of it and stuff. And there legitimately is on the left side. There's a very purposeful in seven in like the sand that if you change the contrast, you can see really easily. I mean, that 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 little poster like they're they're doing yeah. such a good job with these little teasers because they're not confirming anything. Oh, they're led, like it, they are letting people's imaginations be their PR department and. It's really good. So what did you think when you saw that? So so I feel like I might be the anti-hype Mass Effect personality <laughs> if there Which is, is one. smart. <laughs> because like I, I think you remember um, when the Bioware store made that that typo and that that faux pas. And then I was the first one to make a video about that. And I know Mr. Holt got all the credit because he has like 80,000 subs. Yeah. But I was the first one. And I yeah, I was I was pretty deep into that. I so I I actually called out Mr. Holton. Uh, because and I didn't mention him by name. But I had just referenced the what I viewed as extreme clickbait of a title mass effect for details confirmed yeah and it was like, yeah like, come on you know uh be reasonable basically for all the listeners who who weren't aware of what happened the buyerware store had a poster the same poster that we're referencing right now the teaser one from the inside and, day mm -hmm. and there was some typical marketing copy beneath it like uh you know as as shepherd and the crew Mm -hmm. clean up the uh events of mass effect 3 or i forget how they phrased it it was it, it was very suggestive it it, it, it was weird it, it was, was weird it, yeah yeah it, it, it's, for how it, little it, we know they were saying a lot it heavily implicated shepherd was back and alive mm -hmm. to clean up after mass effect 3 sure. but working in journalism like i do i i understand the sheer volume of content that a lot of copywriters are tasked with making. Sure. And I knew that the Bioware store was run by people that don't work at Bioware. It's the same company that does uh, Bethesda store. And yes. I think like four or five other big companies. And so people need to understand that these are not gamers. These are not game developers that are writing this. These are marketers. Their job is to sell the product. And sure. A lot of times they're given a stack of like eight, 10 products that they got to write blurbs for every day. And they don't know what they're going to get as an assignment. Who knows? It's the same person like, writing for the Bethesda store and the Bioware store. And they're just pumping stuff out. Sure. Right. It is a content churn and, and there's no, and it's not a prerequisite to get hired there that you've played the games. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. And so, they might've looked up a, a, a Wikipedia page and been like, ah, oh, what's this? Okay. Right. Yeah. That looks good. Right. 
I'm, I'm going to research this. I'm going to spend just enough time researching this that I'm not going to hamper the stack of other content that I got to get to on my, sure. in my to-do list, but I need to know just enough to make it seem like I know what I'm talking about. And, and that that's where I thought that went immediately when I saw that Bioware store scandal. Sure. Um, I was like, this was written by a marketing person who didn't really play the game. This was a faux pas. Like I knew it right away. And I came out um, with our episode that night and I had criticized Mr. Holton's uh, title because it, sure. it played it, as much as I want Shepard to come back. Of course, I yeah. I, I don't believe in misleading and lying to people. It's probably not going to be confirmed in a Bioware gear store listing. <laughs> right. Like, the, sure. like the, 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 the sheer likelihood of the bioware gear content marketing writer having inside developer knowledge and then leaking that onto their store sure pun intended the chances of that are are astronomically low yeah sure sure um and so so but yeah but about that teaser poster itself mm -hmm. like i was saying i think i'm the anti-hype guy because you mentioned the ship yeah mm -hmm. as sr1 colors but it also says SFX on it. And the Mass Effect 1. For those yep. who don't know, that SFX mm -hmm. was a name placeholder for Mass Effect 1 because it, st it stood for Science Fiction X. <laughs> yeah, like the most generic. Like, yeah. And yeah, if, was, uh, have you ever seen the other names they proposed for Mass Effect? Oh, like yeah. some of them are they're just awful. Like I'm glad they landed where they did because a few of them were like, oh, my God. Yeah, a few of them were, were really cringe. Um, mm. but, but, you know, like you said, there were a couple things that I noticed. There are five things. One, crater that looks like an asteroid or a ship or some large thing crashed into a planet. So immediately I'm thinking, is this the wreckage of the Normandy SR-1? Or mm -hmm. maybe it's some of the Citadel's wreckage. Like it's like Mass Effect Core or something. Yeah. Sure. And, and number two, there's a corpse that's just not far from the crater who's, you know, I don't know whose corpse this is. Uh, but being the facetious detail digger that I am, I, I jokingly asked Jennifer Hale and Mark Muir on Twitter if it was them. Mm. <laughs> but obviously they can't reveal kind of sure. that. true. But besides, when you zoom in, um, it, it kind of looks like a geth. And yeah. when you zoom out, the whole thing looks like a geth, of course. Sure. And, and number four, you know, uh, a Krogan and a Sari, maybe Liara and a couple of other people. I'm not sure there. It's it. I think it's very purposefully hard to tell. <laughs> I think they they are very purposeful in this messaging. And, and number five, like I mentioned, you know, the ship, it has the letters FS, SFX on it. It does kind of look like newer technology. So I get where people are coming from with the Andromeda like. Sure. But it's also possible we should keep this in mind. The ships in Mass Effect 1, the Normandy, as opposed to the Andromeda ship, the Tempest that we flew. Mm -hmm. it, not only was the Tempest arguably more advanced, but it was civilian. It wasn't sure. military. Sure. And there's distinct differences in civilian and military architecture. So it's quite possible that that SFX ship we saw was just a civilian ship, but it sure. wasn't any more advanced. And then there's also, you know, if I'm being the ultra anti-hype guy, the ship was a placeholder and means nothing. Probably. Well, there's that old... Um... Uh, I know. So the the little shot of Liara at the end of that 2020 trailer where she looks up and there's the people standing in the background and the ship. And um, there's an old concept art that people reference all the time that has Nangara 
standing mm-hmm. in a similar thing. And that to me, I mean, that was from like 2018 or 2019. I'm like, that's 100% a placeholder thing. Like, like why would there's no, there's no potential next game that has Nangara in the Milky Way that makes any sense in my brain. But it would be massive writing leaps. That would probably be upsetting. Now, the one thing I, I will add before I move on to the next thing is I did an interview that actually still hasn't come out yet um with with someone who um has interviewed the old bioware gear store not the current one but the old the guy who ran it and i guess during that conversation and and i don't believe this this interview ever got released i haven't heard that this is all hearsay that that person what they asked them like so what was up with that stupid poster whatever and, and I guess the response was from their experience being the gear store before they, they have no idea. It could be anything, probably just a big mistake. Like you were saying, but they were saying that none of those descriptions and those items don't get greenlit by someone at mm-hmm. Bioware, Bioware greenlit during that, at least in their experience, they had to have things approved. Now was, is it, did Mike Gamble approve that? Probably not. It may have went across his desk. An email may have come through with the 3,000 other emails he probably gets a day, right? That he probably has never cared and will never care about some description for a gear store item. But but the impression was that someone at Bioware, now could it be a PR person who doesn't know anything more about the game than the person who wrote it? Maybe. But their thought was that there's, there's no way that someone went rogue completely and posted right. that without any direction. But it also doesn't mean that like Mike Gamble was like, I am going to mess with them. And now I do love, if you look at that item now, that description, they just nuked it. Oh yeah. It, it literally, it's like one line now it's like, get your new poster. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't think there's, I think that was a fun thing to speculate about and have yeah. some fun with, but I do think the extremely definitive, uh, things I saw some people making uh, content about was, was maybe a bit much. I, yeah, I, I understand where people are at right now, especially if you're trying to make this like a thing. Um, if you aren't just doing it for fun, kind of like I am, um, like I make videos that get like, you know, if I get a hundred views on a video, I'm super happy. You know, these people are getting that a minute. Right. And, and that's fine. Um, but I, I also understand, especially with my division history and other games that this is just the way it's going to be until we have actual information and that's fine to a point. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that trailer and that little teaser and whatever we get this year, I think it's going to be something really simple again this year. I think Bioware is obviously going to be repping Dragon Age um, hard for the next year, at least until it comes out. Probably. I think it sounds like late next year is a maybe we'll see. Um, And they don't want to release too soon to Starfield. Yeah, yeah, they they want that because if that comes out early next year, maybe then maybe by the end of next year, like I think next in seven day 2023 may be kind of interesting. I think this year we may get like maybe Mike Gamble being like, hey, we're working hard. Here's some cool concept art. We're not confirming anything yet. Sorry. You know, and that's I think it's gonna be something. It'll be something cool. I think that poster was super cool. Uh, I think that was such a genius marketing move because, again, it's kind of like that trailer where it confirms nothing. It all could just be placeholder stuff. It could all just be for fun. Um, I suspect the poster probably has a little more relevance than the trailer. Um, But yeah, so um, 
let's see what's uh, i'm trying to i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i will say so um with all of this and like kind of what i said before about how like i don't really care what they do as long as they do it well even though secretly i really want my i want what i want to happen which just sounds like you and i are kind of on a similar base oh definitely i will say whatever they do that announcement of them bringing on mary demarley onto that team makes me a hundred times more confident than i was before um not that i don't have faith in them i I think they are going to take this really seriously i think they're gonna try to do a good job with it i loved that guardians of the galaxy game i actually thought the gameplay kind of sucked i didn't think it was that fun to play it was just kind of i don't know it was fine but i loved that story and the writing in it and i remember i went multiple times when i was playing through it being like oh this like feels like a mass effect game like like a, what like a modern Mass Effect game could kind of feel like. And when they announced her, I was so that was so exciting um, because I think that's. Obviously, I'll let you respond, I promise. What I'm excited about with that is that she had an extremely long career at uh, where, where she was. It was what, uh, Square or was it Square Enix um, in Montreal. And she'd been there for a really long time. She just won narrative of the year at the game awards for guardians. She didn't have to leave. I'm sure something tells me they didn't kick her out and she's in Montreal, which I believe there's a studio for, for Bioware there as well. So, so she's been there for 15 plus years. So she knows everyone who works there. I'm sure all of those devs know each other, right? So she wouldn't have left this cushy job where she just had huge success to go to a game and a team and a developer that's in shambles. I think that's a move you only make if things are looking really good. Um, And there's actually, did you play the guardians game? I didn't, I did not. So there's a, it's a very linear game. If you ever get a chance, if it's really cheap or something, I suggest at least checking it out. There's um, so Drax from the guardians, Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the green guy, there is a part where you are, doing his story and there's a part where you're running through a dream sequence and a little boy in black pants and a white hoodie runs across the screen like three times none of the other characters mention it no (laughs) one references it it just happens and i posted it on the subreddit for mass effect and people were like what are you talking about and then later on i pointed out i was like look at these times there's a little boy that runs with the exact same animation across the screen and so it's an obvious mass effect so you, reference you think mary's a, a big mass effect fan i think so, she is so and i, I would, think go ahead. i would hope so i yeah. so i i admittedly have not played the guardians of the galaxy game have not played uh deus ex mm-hmm. um so i'm not too familiar I haven't with either. their work yeah. but from what i hear from everyone who has played those games is that those games stories are amazing and so I think what we can infer if Bioware is is taking on such a big name uh, like Mary is that they're diverting more of their funds toward the writing team, which I feel like any true Mass Effect fan should rejoice about. Um, sure. I think they realized with Andromeda that gameplay can only get you so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I hope that it's a return to... Uh, prioritizing the writing prioritizing the storylines and the narratives of mass effect i hope that's what that means and 
God, I know that Drew Carpishan is off doing other things. Man, but I like, know. If the lore father could return in even like a con- consulting capacity for Mass Effect, because because you have to understand for for, for everyone that's listening, Drew Carpishan is kind of like the lore father of the game. Like he made so much of the foundational lore yeah. of Mass Effect sure. that I feel like for continuity's sake, you would have to consult him on a lot. Yeah. And be like, hey, you know, would this make sense with this race that you helped create and, and whatnot? Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I've I'm said that for- him being announced as coming back is the only thing that would probably get me more excited than her. Yes. Because uh, what's his face isn't coming back. He's doing his own studio. That's that's uh, he came Casey back. Hudson. He he consulted like like I, I really didn't see him coming back and leaving as that bad of a thing. What that looked like to me was that they were probably in early pre-production. They wanted him to come back and consult and say, hey, this is what we're thinking. Give us something. You know, what do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And that's probably while he was setting up his his studio. He was probably finding real estate. He was probably getting all of the stuff together while he was working with them, which I think is fine. I think that that was something tells me that was probably helpful. Um, yeah. But the idea of him coming back and staying was probably kind of a pipe dream. Um, but yeah, I've said that that Drew coming back is the only thing that would probably get me more hype than Mary, um, because that was pretty unexpected, in my opinion, for her to to move to them, oh, yeah. um, especially after her recent success. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm slowly getting through the comics and the books uh and and all that with him and it's just um it's it's really uh it's it's very fun it's very cool the books have that the the carpishan trilogy of books for mass effect have that mass effect one feeling of the story to them and i love it yeah um so the final thing i'll do before we kind of wrap up here is um i see so many people talking about you know i don't think bioware can recapture that magic i don't think that they have the same uh you know gusto or or, you know the same heart that they did back then and i guess you know my take is i don't think that they have to be old bioware again um because i don't think they can be that was a different generation of games that was a different time you know if if you made mass effect one again today it would get panned because, you know, it's my it's my aspect one. Right. And so I guess my thing is that. You know, are you someone who feels like they need to try to recapture something or do you you know, how do you feel about that kind of concept? Yeah, you know, I think that they should uh, focus on some of the elements that they had expertise in some of the elements that kind of gave rise to their meteoric success. Um, one of those being formatting a choose your own adventure book into a game form. I mean, that's essentially what they did with Kotor and, and Dragon Age and Mass Effect. And that's why they, that's why they gained their following. I think they should lean into that. That doesn't, that's just a format thing though. That's not like a, you know, you need to go back to the way you were. They can certainly be more modern in that presentation of that format. And so I do agree with you in terms of I don't think that they should try to be who they were. I think that they should return to the same format and and proven success method that people really like. And I think as long as they do that with new writing, new characters, you know, new content and new uh, technological, you know, like leaps forward that mm-hmm. they've made since then, 
I think as long as they do that, people will feel like this is the old Bioware. Um, much like how people want Bethesda to handle the next Fallout. Sure. Um, they want them to go back to the basics. Like, And, and I get that. Um, and I think they can do that. Um, but I, But I swear... If the next Mass Effect game is an Andromeda sequel, it'll I, be hard to swallow. It'll be hard to swallow. I will play it. I will sure. play it. Sure. Um, I'm not, you know, I'll play it. I'll try to keep an open mind, but like <laughs> they will really be, and no pun intended here, but they really will be alienating a yeah. lot of their fans. Uh, they will. And, and you know what? It's and that's fine. They're they're a game studio. They're allowed to do whatever they want. Sure. You know? Um, but again, I, I think that they don't they should they should not listen to all the Twitter trolls who are like, you need to do this exactly how you did it before. Like, yeah, let let them be them. Just the only thing that I that I ask is please give us good writing. Sure. Give us yeah. good writing. That's all I ask. Gunplay can suck. The cover system can suck again. I whatever. I don't care. But but if you give me a compelling story, that's why I said, like I was said a couple times is you can say you what if they if they canonize the control ending and all of the things that I personally don't care for, I will be able to handle that if the story blows my mind and if it's exciting and if it's meaningful and if I have choices that matter and uh, you know, that's, that's so important to me. Do you want them to bring back the renegade Paragon system? You know, I kind of did like that. Uh, I kind of did like the Paragon renegade system and um, I did not like the Andromeda system of dialogue Uh, because again, like, I hear people defend it and saying, well, it's more realistic. It's not like good and bad. You know, there are, there are different sure. things, but it also felt more bland and more like you couldn't be your own kind of like, let me go to the extremes. You know, if I want to go to the extremes, let me go to those extremes. And- it felt like fallout four to me where no yeah. matter what choices you made, you kind of ended up in the same place anyways. Right. It, right. That, that's just how it played to me. And you were never too heroic. You were never too villainous. Yeah. And yeah. I, w- I want to be an ultra hero. I want to sure. be an ultra villain. If this is a game, let me live out my fantasies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And so maybe, maybe I don't, maybe I don't think that they should bring back the Paragon Renegade system as it was, but like some evolution you know of what it. I mean? And, and speaking of Paragon sure. Renegade, I had this idea with my friend the other day, how sweet would this have been if they adopted something like fable had, where the more Paragon, more Renegade you were, the more it changed you. And I know that they sure. did that with the scarring a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what if what if you unlocked different decals for your ship or your armor? Sure. And like like if you were pure Paragon, you unlocked a decal on the back of your armor that was like glowing angel wings, or you know what I mean? Like sure, something sure. like that. And and you know, gritty type of gritty sci-fi style or even like more you know gruesome versions of your powers or you know like like you know or or on the other side of things more humane i don't know like a tranquilizer dart if you're ultra paragon you know maybe you don't kill everything i don't know but no i i i get it that's for sure that's cool so i will wrap it up with one uh last question what um 
if, if you could pick one thing that would be guaranteed in the next game for you personally, this is you going full fanboy. This isn't for the community. This isn't for the franchise. This isn't for Bioware. This is for you. What would what's one thing that you would most like to have in the next game? Give me sweet items. Give me like sweet, like typical RPG. Oh, you walked around this secret, this corner that doesn't, it looks pretty inconspicuous. There's a chest there. Oh my God. It's an amazing set of armor. Hmm. Yeah. I want that. That's okay. just, that's just something that I love. Give cool. me like, let me play mass effect fashion simulator. Give me oh, a yeah. lot of different kinds of armor selections with different bonuses that look amazing. You know what I sure. mean? Like the different armor sets and make it fully customizable. And one good thing for Andromeda, I will give them that the aesthetic of Andromeda, that law of that armor mm-hmm. and the customization of it. Pretty cool. Yeah, I was, was a pretty big awesome. fan. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to I want them to go back to the Mass Effect one system of finding items themselves and mm-hmm. having like a bunch of different items that you then go and sell to merchants sure. Sure. and that kind of classic RPG system. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be my yeah. my fan my rpg fanboy coming out that i I want the items so that i can equip my squad with them too you remember after mass effect one you Mm -hmm. couldn't do that yeah yeah let me equip my squad let me play mass effect fashion simulator i need us to match you know yeah so well great well i appreciate your time um if uh people would like to follow you check out your podcast all of that where's the best place for people to catch up with you uh, best place you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at N7TheLegend. And on Twitch, I'm streaming two, three times a week sometimes. Uh, those would be Saturdays for Mass Effect, Thursdays for Dragon Age. And if I got time on Mondays, I've been streaming some Witcher. And uh, of course, if you want to catch the Mass Effect Lorecast, the uh, podcast where we just dive really into the lore, not so much the news, but the lore, uh, you can find that on pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. That's the Mass Effect lore cast awesome we'll be sure to check them out uh thank you so much for coming on and thank you so much for chatting with me of course thanks bon it's a pleasure okay and then that's the episode so uh a big thanks again to n7 the legend uh please go check uh, him out and all of his content out uh the mass effect lore cast and so on and so forth uh as well as his stream um thank you so much for checking this out uh please be sure to subscribe to the podcast uh subscribe to the youtube channel leave comments leave ratings do all of that stuff and uh that's all i have for this one so until next time I'm going to go to the next one.